Hey everyone, this is Katie Cleary, and this is part two of our male body image and self-confidence episode. And Brian has left because he has to go to work, and so I've kind of taken his spot. And now I'm going to have an opportunity to ask the guys some questions based on some of the things that they talked about in part one. So if you have not listened to part one yet, make sure you go backwards, listen to that, and then come join us for this episode it's the gayest part of your day. Sit back and grab a shot Let's go around and introduce ourselves real quick before we jump in. Hi everyone, I'm Jose Napoles, 32, currently Capricorn and single and looking. <laughs> Check him out on our Instagram. I'll tag him. Hi, I'm uh, Jacques Ray Palmer, 37, Sagittarius, single. Mm, maybe. Undecided. Undecided. <laughs> okay. Undecided, Currently, I have a date number two tomorrow. There so. you go. Yay. Hi, I'm Mark Trogdon, 27. If astrological, I think I'm Capricorn. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so you can tell you're straight. <laughs> Is there any research into that? I want to know. No, maybe. I think yes. And then, I mean, it, it happens like at midnight at the gay bars, yeah. but that's it. <laughs> I'm sure there is a lot of research around that time. Yeah. You have to have your natal chart ready at the gay bar, or if not, then you're not. Yes. You're you're nothing. <laughs> Thank God we went to the Merc before then. <laughs> um, and single, I guess. Uh, Dan Dutra, 44. I'm an Aquarius. Uh, single. Ready to mingle. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tag everyone here. Um, and I'm Katie Cleary, 35, Scorpio. I know, but uh, I wouldn't change it. No, that's not true. I would change it. Uh, mostly because I had to always couple my birthday with Thanksgiving. Oh. Growing up, so I was kind of over that. Well, I think Thanksgiving is better than Christmas since I'm December 23rd baby. So, oh, yeah, that's hard. That is hard. Okay, so let's jump in. One of the questions that I had, um, we ended the last episode talking about what is something that you thought like an action that you did that you were like, oh man, I'm not manly because of this, and then we also talked about how. When you guys are young, you hear a lot of boys don't do that. And certainly I heard that a lot too. Girls don't do that. Girls don't play with tools. Girls don't play baseball. Um, girls don't have short hair. But do you guys ever grow out of it, especially from your family? Like, is there an age where men are finally left alone? Or are these little comments that you hear growing up? And then a follow-on would be, even if your family still does it, do your friends who are your age do that to you as well? Or is this something that you can ever leave in the past? Dan? Um, I, I, I think it's something we, it, it is something from the past, but it, it's evolved to something else. So it, um, it's not really a, this is not what a guy does uh, versus this is not what like um, I, brought up, I brought up in part one the whole butch thing. This is not what, Oh, you do that. Well, that's not in that box. Right. So we don't hear it as it, it's still putting you in a box. Um, so it, as you're younger, that's not what boys do. It's the boy box. As you get older, if you're gay, that's not what like, um, 
some of the other guys said, you know, that's not what a bottom does, or that's not what a top does, or that's not what a dom does or sub guy does. So I, the, I think the, the boxes are still there, um, for, um, us males as we get older, they're just, they just change. I think one of mine, um, would be fashion. Cause that's one that at least is a straight guy that not a lot of people really buy into a whole lot unless you're like ASAP Rocky or somebody. Mm-hmm. Who's but, that? <laughs> <laughs> There's YouTube for that one. If you want to find does, out, does he have a McDonald's menu or <laughs> <laughs> not biting on that one? Um, but digging into fashion, so like I was saying before we started all this, was my mom's interior decorator. I always went with her. She told me when I was home last that she used to give me like the little paint cards or color cards, and I'd just play with those and look at those and keep myself entertained. So it started there, but then digging into actual fashion and trying to put together like nice outfits and cool stuff that would work together. And looking around, I don't know much of anybody that really does that. It's mostly the chuck on a t-shirt and jeans and whatever you can find kind of deal. And then I got used to it. I think somewhere around. <laughs> As I'm wearing t-shirts and chucks. <laughs> You're such a, a hetero a man, though. Katie. <laughs> I'll take it. I'm going to increase my salary like 20%. <laughs> Your chucks are gray though. They match. <laughs> but I probably got over that somewhere like, um, Probably somewhere in high school is kind of where I just, just like, you know what? I like what I like. Whatever. I don't think I caught a whole lot of flack about it other than people just pointing it out to me constantly. Um, yeah, I, I do believe that um, all of those comments and sayings definitely, you know, are of the past. They, they are there. Um, obviously, we still remember these uh, moments. I was just thinking about an experience with a uh, straight friend of mine. She asks me, you know, when we're talking about dating and whatnot, she's like, okay, so asking about masculinity or femininity, like, okay, so who's the, and the way that she said it, she was like, you know, forgive me for saying this, but like, you know, who's the man or, and you know, who's like the female, like how, how do you distinguish who's more masculine or feminine you know, I, I really didn't know how to answer it. I said, well, you know, the thing is, I think everyone can be equally masculine. It's not always, you know, one more masculine or dominant than the other. You can have it both ways or vice versa. I think my um, my parents hold on me and my needing to get their approval um, has been a journey. A lot of it just came, st- stems from when I came out to them. They didn't. They disowned me and kicked me out of the house. Um, so it's taken me a long time to finally be comfortable in my decisions. I more recently, my mom and I have had conversations about me getting more tattoos, and we're, we're at a better place now, and we actually have a relationship. And she's very adamant of like expressing her feelings and thoughts as actual facts, and she's like no, you shouldn't get tattoos. Like they look ugly and so forth. And the other day I had actually had to have a conversation. I was like, you, you're right to tell me what to do. Um, was at the door when you kicked me out of the house, which hurt, of course, both me to say that and her to hear it. Um, but I think for the longest time, like I was very much like adamant about trying to 
fit in a box that they wanted that I thought they wanted me to be in. Like even in my dating, like I would date Catholic, Hispanic men that spoke Spanish because I was like, oh, my parents would love him. My parents would love him, you know, and I. I cared less. I mean, I would date them and then I'd be like, actually, I'm not even interested in these people. So I think, I think the boxes are still there somewhat. I still need to get over the negativity of dressing up as a woman. Like I, I really enjoy um, the performance aspects of drag. And I still, to this day, I haven't gotten all the way the courage, which I very much admire of you, Jacare. Um, Cause I haven't gained the courage yet to, to do it full on because I still very much care about that box that my mom told me of like, you're gay, great, but I won't accept you as dressing up as a woman, right? Um, and I think it will take time, but I think those boxes very much exist in all aspects. Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking, like, because we do have a heterosexual male here, how when we have a hetero guy hanging out with a bunch of gay guys, I think we... I personally don't do this, but I know a lot of my friends do. We'll try to examine them. Oh, he does this. So he actually, he's probably gay. I don't know if you guys <laughs> experienced that. I, I don't do that at all to you, Mark. Mm. I promise. <laughs> no, you just try and convince me to try and swing that way. <laughs> so, well, at least those, are two se- those are two separate things. Yeah, and at least he's doing it to your face, right? It's a compliment. It's a compliment. It's no I, different being in a bar with literally anybody checking out anybody. Me personally, uh, I just have a philosophy of everybody's a little bit gay. (laughs) 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 Um, And like, maybe you're only like this much gay, but then other people are like, yeah, you're gay. And you know, the hundred footers or whatever that you can see walking down the street. And it's a spectrum. Sexuality is a spectrum. How you express, how you express yourself is a spectrum no matter what it is, like Dan, you were saying that you can be an athlete and still walk around with your fan at the same time, which like, <laughs> this is like a drag queen fan. Is that like a dance? Is that, oh, oh, we're gonna get a demonstration, nice. I have found that while growing up and then surrounding myself with more queer people, we're just kind of maybe going over the top of like, no, fuck society and fuck the norms that they're trying to put on us. And that is whether we heard something, you know, when we were seven one time for our, from our grandma or Fox News or just out and about or at work. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're getting oh, the demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yes. Thank yes. you for There's okay. Yeah. So this is the clocking we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yes. We'll put a meme out. <laughs> well, there's also, um, not too, too long ago, I was reading, looking at an article, and it was the, it was on, the site is called The Art of Manliness. But I was, love it. Yeah. And there was an article, and it was looking at pictures. It was solely men. They were straight. But pictures that they would take together, and it was guys back in, like, the 30s, they'd sit on each other's laps, hands on the legs, and all the kind of stuff that someone would go, all right, you're definitely gay if you did it. I don't know if you guys remember, like, in the early 2000s, MTV had a series of commercials, and it was, like, guys sitting around a boardroom. And one of the things specifically was they were discussing how to clank your beer bottle together with someone else's when you saw them. And if you hit the bottom of your bottles, that was fine. But if you hit your necks because your mouth goes there, gay. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> they were like, not allowed. And it was like man code or bro code, something like that. And there was this series of them. Um, there was also like another campaign that was definitely on MTV. And it was like these two guys in baseball pants patting each other on the butts. It's like, not gay. I remember that. Not in baseball pants, patting yeah. each other on the back. Gay. Yes. <laughs> I so, totally remember that. And it was kind of trying to break it down. Like, what are, why is this gay, but that's not? Like, what are you doing here? What is your end goal? That's come, kind of something that's always stuck with me is there are things that we have assigned to mean gay or straight. We have assigned to mean masculine or feminine. Teaching, for example, used to only be a male profession. And then it was primarily a female profession. And now it's mixed. And you go throughout history and things change based on society. And I'm getting on my soapbox here, I guess. So let me back down. <laughs> um, my question to you is, has there been a point or can you point to a time in your life when you're like, I want to do this. And even though someone else maybe doesn't think it's acceptable, I like it. For me, and it doesn't have to be in front of a crowd. I know we touched on this in the last episode, but something that you you really were like, no, I actually enjoy doing this. One of the things for me was I enjoy going to slam poetry and spoken word, and I write when I feel the need, and I don't share it very often because it's something it's it's for me and. I was going a couple of years ago and my, <laughs> and when you go to slam poetry, you have to like break out your awesome lesbian hat and like your vest or bow tie if you want to. And so I went and I did my poetry one time and I was wearing suspenders and a vest over my button up shirt. And I left the house and my grandmother turns to my mom and was like, does Kate look a little more gay to you than usual? <laughs> and I didn't find out for months later. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. I love it. I, I think for me, it was growing up and playing sports, you know, being Latino uh, or Mexican-American, soccer is very prevalent in our culture. And, you know, it's something that my parents encouraged me to do. And as a chubby little kid, the best position that I had to do which was goalie because I there's more space to cover at this but during those times I didn't like really balls coming at my face how things have changed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what I what I did love was volleyball and volleyball didn't um, and in our household it didn't seem to be the most masculine of sports to pick up on and uh, my mom it's something my mom um, she played so she very much encouraged it because um, she was good at it herself so. I know that that was something that I was like, I love playing volleyball. I'm going to stick to it um, no matter what the perception is in our house. Um, so that's probably the first time that I really, that and that dancing, like I really love being part of dance troupes. I used to do it a lot um, when I was younger, uh, like hip hop, hip hop teams and stuff. But I very much knew that whatever um, I did, I wasn't going to get the support or accolades. Um, my parents never came to watch me play. My parents never came to see me, me perform. Um, as unfortunate as, as that was, I, I did it for myself. Mm. Put them on the court. Let them see if they can do a jump serve. They look much more girly. <laughs> well, my, my mom maybe could, but not. Yeah. Um, Jacare, do you have a... I think for me, it was about... When, when I was younger, I wanted to be an actor. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother would say, 
I'm noticing a lot of my uh, answers are revolving around my grandmother. But my grandmother would say... They're influential <laughs> in our lives. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my grandmother would say that, like, you know, you can't make a living off of acting. Acting isn't going to mm-hmm. keep a roof over your head. and mm-hmm. Tell that's Brad Pitt. Clothes on your back. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, so I always wanted to act. She and my mom, at times, they would try to get me to, like... Uh, join sports for like after school activities. I didn't want to do sports. But what I did do, I did join the drama class in school. And I did that for myself because I figured that was going to be the closest that I'd ever get to acting. Yeah. And my family being okay with it, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, it's part of school activity or whatever. And I loved it. And I, and I did it for myself. I kind of, regret not actually just you know going full throttle with it you know coming out of high mm-hmm. school and just going to chase the dream so yeah. to speak yeah. because who never knows where I could have ended up and did your family accept it like did they come to your plays and things yeah. that you had okay. yeah they did and then they said oh my god you were amazing mm-hmm. did they ever say we were so wrong to try and keep you away from that. No, you still haven't no, gotten that one yet? No. Okay. I mean, what parent, what parent would admit wrong? To, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan and Mark, do you guys have anything? Um, the one that I thought of was, it goes back to fashion, actually, was fedoras. Mm-hmm. And I went through a phase. I still like them. Um <laughs> Where I was like, yeah, I actually really like this thing. I'm going to wear it and wore it in a group of people that are all just, they have a specific uniform that they wear Mm -hmm. and wearing it around them. They're like, yo, take that off. You're going to make everybody think we're like gay or something or we're going to get a bad rep or something like that. I was like, I like this. You shut up. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't have the balls to wear it, then (laughs) go somewhere else. Yes. That's a good point, Dan. Um, I, I don't think I have a story like that because I've kind of always done what I really wanted to do. But one thing that I really enjoy doing is uh, watching these influence makeup influencers. Okay. Yeah. Even though I don't really want to wear makeup, I enjoy watching mm-hmm. them and watching them put on makeup and the stuff that they can do with this makeup. So I, I don't know if that even is part of that. No, but it's an art. Yeah. And it's not something that 20 years ago men would be allowed to watch, you know, before we had TVs in our pocket. Right. And I'm not just talking about like the the makeup artists that transform into female, but just Mm -hmm. any of them just like putting on makeup is crazy, like what they can do and how they change their face and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I I enjoyed watching that. And that's kind of not considered like, oh, I would say that. I like it. In the last episode, we talked a little bit about crying in front of other men and how crying is one of those traits that's just kind of inherently deemed boys don't do that boys don't cry there's even a movie about it hillary swank (laughs) for lesbians everywhere um (laughs) 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 Uh, um, that was a niche (laughs) yeah (laughs) hillary swank's my girl i wish i could meet her and and you both expressed being nervous to cry in front of someone else. And then you also said, especially another man. But how can you take that kind of feedback or that feeling and turn it into a positive? 
because while you guys shared your story here, you had three men in this room feeling sorry for you. Nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, who, yes, <laughs> yes, so you have, sorry, you had three men in here who were empathetic to your cause and had been there and were also very supportive, so how can you, as grown men, make friendships and kind of delve into the intimacy of a deep relationship with other men, gay or straight? I think for me, first and foremost, has I stopped leading with sex because uh, I think my biggest um, I mean, sorry, Mark, to this day, I do sexualize you because you're an attractive man. But bottom line, Mark and I do have a friendship that goes beyond that. I always lead with sex. Um, and I think that's what it really impediment. I think it really inhibited my ability to really create connections with people. I think now with my core group of guy friends is that we actually, um, we normalize, we all have gone to therapy. We, so we normalize that we normalize our feelings. We normalize sharing our thoughts and emotions in the moment. So I think that it's been, it's been practice. It takes practice, but I think the ability to, to be vulnerable and it leads with, I lead with myself as foremost is, is to lead to with vulnerability to, to share my challenges, my struggles, my successes, of course. But, um, I think, I think the biggest, I think the biggest, um, hurdle that I've crossed in my ability to actually build connections with other men is to stop sexualizing them for the most part. Again, I, I apologize, Mark. I do again, again, you're an attractive man. Um, to this day, I, I will probably flirt with you and still know that we still have a friendship that goes beyond the flirtiness Not anymore oh God. well that's <laughs> over um but i but i think the stopping sexualizing other men has been a very critical piece of me building relationships and friendships with other men mm. yeah you're not supposed to just sleep with your friends i mean unless you got that arrangement what there is an option yeah that's see so okay whole other topic i have heard that the guys just sleep with friends and you can't be friends until you've slept together but you know we'll save that for a different different day Okay. I mean, I mean, I will say, I will say that my closest guy friends that I that I have right now, like my core that we call ourselves the Three Musketeers, we've we've had sexual relationships in the past, but that's that's been the past. Like right now, our our core fundamental foundation of our friendship is very much that, right? Our connection to each other, and it goes beyond that. And, and it's more current. Like I can say that at least everyone here, all my friends, all my guy friends that are here, I have not slept with yet. No. Yet. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Uh, I said no real quick. <laughs> uh, so, and so I, I can say that confidently where in the past, every guy, gay guy, that a friend that I've had, I've said, oh, I've seen you. I've seen your penis. Your penis has been in my mouth some, sometime. Um, so I think my, so I think it does, it does take, well, some people do start off sexually. My now where I'm at now is that I can say that, that I don't need to lead with that yeah. to create friendships. If it works, then go for it. All right, Jacare, let's what's your approach been? You know what? I am actually in that very same boat. So, um and uh I'm I'm going to go back to the app Grinder. Mm -hmm. Uh one of my not sponsored. Not sponsored. Yeah. One but of, we could be. <laughs> one of one of my uh best friends to this day, we actually met on Grinder. And my other core group of friends, they said Oh, have you guys messed around yet? Oh, mm -hmm. have you guys played around? Oh, have you guys? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, we are just friends. Yeah. 
and it, it can happen. Um, also, I mean, and my friends, they know me very well because I have been extremely sexually active in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seems like anything with two legs and a hole, I'd go after. But, um, <laughs> but um, and uh, like I, I also have a, um, a couple uh, friends, they, they are a couple, they've been together for 11 years, but when we first met and we were hanging out, you know, it would just be the three of us mm-hmm. and, you know, all the pictures, social media and everything. And people would be like, oh, are you guys sleeping together? Yeah. And it's like, okay, I, I know that I might have had a reputation for, mm-hmm. you know, every guy that I met I slept with, but no, mm-hmm. I haven't slept with these guys. Like we are genuinely friends mm-hmm. still to this day. We are friends. No, we have not slept together. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. So from Jose's, for me, there yeah. was one keyword I picked out, which was practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to, when I was in high school, had social anxiety. Okay. Literally, if I was going to, I didn't party a lot in high school, or for my standard. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so if I was going to go to a party, and usually there are a couple instigating factors that went into it, but if I was going to go, then I would wind up before I even got in. Mm-hmm. My mom just told me that story last night. Uh, going to prom, I puked in the bushes outside prom before I even got oh, inside. Oh, no. yeah. Because I'd get so anxious that I'd mm-hmm. vomit. So was it from the alcohol? No. No, it's just the pre, getting ready to... <laughs> My dad was dropping us off. We did not pregame that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so then a lot of it, like I went to cognitive behavioral therapy for it. Mm-hmm. And pretty much a lot of it was just practice. I'm not... Therapy helped, but a lot of it was then I hit college and then you'd go to parties constantly and it just kind of disappeared. And so then as far as opening up and developing relationships, it's kind of been the same thing. You just have to push yourself a little, get yourself out there, Mm -hmm. just commit to, all right, this is going to kind of suck until eventually it'll just stop sucking. Yeah. You get used to it and you get better at navigating the situation too. Like a positive desensitization. Yes. Um, so for me, uh, growing up and having mostly male friends, you, you didn't really have deep connections like that. Um, that's actually funny that you brought that question. Cause that's something I'm working on, um, on myself because, um, it's not that I put sex first, but I understand that. Um, for me is the fact that I am very, I don't even know how to say it, but like when I deal with my friends it's very like on a shallow not even a shallow level it's just like what's that kind of conversation you have what's very super super, yeah Yeah. well yeah you you just it's that chat you know you like you see somebody like hey how's it going good how you Mm -hmm, doing mm -hmm. it's even with my best friend like we're not very like we don't talk about feelings we don't talk Mm -hmm. about how you know how our day was or we don't we don't Mm -hmm. do that it's just like oh do you see the indians did you see the giants oh yeah and then it's just a bunch of jokes Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's mythological creatures. Okay. Right. You know, so it's our, our, our relationship. I consider him to be one of the closest people to me. Yeah. But when you actually break it down, he's actually not that close to me because we don't really talk about anything with depth. Most yeah. of our stuff is, like I said, jokes, sports, whatever is going on. What are we doing tonight? But he, I consider him to be 
like my closest male friend to me. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I'm doing this year is I'm, I'm trying to develop like a deeper relationship with males, um, getting to know them on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. No, I think it takes some time and it also does take the vulnerability. Like, like Jose said, lead with vulnerability. So I moved back to California about five or six years ago and I had to start over. So I built my whole friends group from the, from the ground up and I started going to cognitive behavioral therapy to get over some of my like depression and anxiety issues. Good stuff. I'm, I'm not over them yet. Yeah, it's, it's still a work in progress. One of the things that I realized and that I really had known is I never had deep friendships. I could have deep relationships with the people that I've dated. Mm-hmm. Um, even my family, it's not that deep. We don't ever talk about anything super important. But I'm like, no, let me let me try out this friendship thing. What does that look like? And and maybe I'm doing it wrong or what have you. And so a couple of years ago, there were just a couple of rough spots like in my friends group. When something negative would happen, whether to me or someone else, I use that as an opportunity to actually be there for them and listen to them or offer advice if that's what they needed or I would seek advice and it's amazing what just one or two sporadic conversations can do. And those little conversations can pull you through the next six months of like, now you feel like you're in a deeper bond with that friend. And then the next time something happens, they're more likely to reach out to you when they need something because we all need something at some point. So now my challenge to you is in what ways do you reach out to others to show that you are there? I think so. Interestingly enough, Mark and I, without disclosing too much, is that we we were going through a hard time at probably similar points. And once we reconnected, and I think I might have started first with like, "Hey, I'm struggling with substance usage." We recognized both that we should we could have been in each other's lives to help each other out because we were both suffering very much, and nobody was talking, and nobody was talking, <laughs> right? And I think. It takes a lot of courage to say that because even when I was going through my hardship, none of my friends either knew or did not know how to say it, right? Because they're like, how is Jose going to respond or react? Because I wouldn't respond. How is Jose going to react to me saying something, right? So I think I think the bottom line, it starts with yourself first and foremost. And it, it does take a lot of courage and vulnerability to open up to people because sometimes you might not know how they're going to react or respond. Cause I've had friends from high school that I shared that challenge that struggle with. And they very much weren't at the time. They weren't the friends that I needed to, to be there. And, and again, like I very much regrettably wish I would have opened up to Mark a lot sooner because I know that Mark and I at least have a bond because of, of that, that ability that we shared that time together and I knew that now knowing that I, w- we would have had the bond even closer if we would have been able to share that with each other. Um, so it takes a lot of courage and, and then, re- and it takes a lot of practice and trial because again, like I said, I've opened up to people that I thought would be there for me and other men that I've known for years that didn't um, respond in a way that I would have liked. So it takes, it just takes a lot of courage. And I think as men, it's even multiplied It's even 10 times worth. Cause we're not taught to do that. Because we're just taught to be tough. We're taught to not to cry. We're, we're taught to internalize things. Uh, we're taught to be angry as a, as a way to, as a best way to respond to things. 
And that's not always the case. Like our emotions, there's a wheel of emotions and it goes beyond just angry and happy. So I think it's, I would, I would just encourage us to try. And if, and when you do, and you come across someone that it's not supportive to you, then at least, you know, that that person won't be there for you. And like I said, I know Mark will be there for me. I very much thank you for that. Yep. Um, Cause I very much, th- I'm, I'm very thankful for that. This is one quick sidebar. You talked about taking uh, like Tinder and stuff like that out of the scenario for people. Uh, just taking phones away because people do not know how to communicate on any kind of emotional level. They're terrible at it. I'm surprised by some of the friends just in situations that I've had that I've tried to talk to and they just, nope, it's a quick like half, half-assed kind of advice, no real thought into it. Or the other side they just shut down or they don't respond or stuff like that we want a quick fix we don't want to have to invest any effort yeah can i buy it on the uh, app yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much or buy it on the app store rather yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple things that i'm doing is if i miss a friend i'm making it a conscious decision to let that person know hey i miss you yeah um, yeah and i you know i've like I have a friend, his name is Victor and I haven't seen him in a while. And I texted him today and I was like, Hey, how's it going? I, I miss talking to you. I haven't seen you in a while. And that's not something I would normally say. Mm-hmm. Cause like to me saying, I miss you is almost like saying, I love you. Like it's very close to me in my mind okay. that I miss you and that I love you. Um, what if you, what if you add like a comma man at the end? Well, like, I, I miss you, man. Well, and comma, no homo. And that, yeah, yeah. No well, homo. And that, comma, homo. That's funny that, that you say that because I'm, um, when I, when I want to tell somebody I love them, I, I'll mm. say like, I, I love you brother. Or I'll yeah. I, it, yeah. it'll be in a way other than, other than, Hey, I, or like, it was nice seeing you. I love you. Take care. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that. So it's funny that you say that because I'm adding bro or brother some type of other word with love um and then the other thing that i'm doing to help with that is if i know somebody's and i'm giving away my secret here and and i I don't mean to like not be genuine because it is genuine so if like i have a friend who's sick in a couple days i put in my calendar hey check on so Mm. and so they're sick because so much is going on these days. And like you are, I, I feel I'm connected with a lot of people. So a lot of things happen and I'm talking to a lot of people and texting a lot of people uh, on social media. Yeah. And I'm in the gym. And then, (laughs) so I, I, I make a conscious decision of putting that in my phone. Hey, in three days, reach out to so-and-so because they weren't feeling well. And then I just give a text, hey, or a call, because I'm a phone person, because I'm old. So um, I like to hear voices. Um, but that's what I've been doing this year to cultivate that kind of stuff. That's really good. And yeah, there's so much going on. So I really like that idea of putting it in your calendar and, and taking a, a break there and reminding yourself. One of my friends puts little notes in her in her phone Katie likes hot Cheerios and Skittles. And and so she's shown up to parties and she's like, hey, I brought you some Skittles. Like, what? You're awesome. And and she finally told me her secret of she just puts the notes in her phone right there in the contact. Like, that is brilliant. Amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to have to steal that. What's her name? Do it, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> that That is actually a really great idea. So for, for me, I found that you know, I am also connected with a lot of people, social butterfly. So I have a lot of acquaintances and friends 
that want to get together and hang out. I have friends locally. I have friends in the Bay Area. And I've it's been brought to my attention that um, more specifically, I give a lot of my attention more to my gay friends because we're all local. We're all, you know, Sacramento local, downtown. I do have a really good, uh, several uh, really good friends of mine, one going back to junior high school. She lives out in the Arden Arcade area. I have another friend that lives out in Rio Linda. We connect with each other, you know, text back and forth. Sometimes it, you know, it's that superficial stuff like, hey, how's it going? Did you see this? Did you see that? But um, for my one friend that lives out in the arcade area, she does dog walking in Midtown. And so what what she do is she texts me and she'd be like, hey, I'm in your area. And since I've been working from home because of COVID, I've been making it a point to, okay, take a break because she's in your area. She's reaching out. And then I've been reaching out as well. And um, even more so, we've actually spent more time, like me actually going over to her place, hanging out with her and her boyfriend and her son. And just, I've been trying to be more conscious of it. And, and then um, like I have friends in the Bay Area. I've, I've been blocking out time in my schedule and I would tell people, I'd say, hey, you know, I know it's probably a little too early, but in the next couple of weeks, do you want to get together? That's perfect for me because then I can actually plan out my time because otherwise I, um, I get double booked. And I, I tell people that and they think that I'm BSing them. And I'm like, no, I, I genuinely double booked. And so I start to use my calendar more as well. Those calendars can help so much. Like last summer when we were doing kickball and I was doing Girl Scouts and I was trying to sell my house. I'm like, you guys, I'm literally booked the next 12 <laughs> weekends. I, who knows, man? I don't, yeah. Kick I don't Girl know. Scout houses. <laughs> yeah, kick Girl Scout houses. There we go. Yes. Yes, that was my life. And so people will be like, oh, we miss you. I'm like, yeah, I miss you too. Don't know what month it is. Can't be bought. Like, well, get on my calendar and I won't skip out on you because it'll be there. Blue is for friends. Making any kind of friendship or relationship work of any kind takes effort. And it takes effort from both sides. So I commend you guys all for reaching out and for trying to do these little things because even though you may think it's superficial, we all still need to know that someone is thinking about us or when's the last time you were at a store and you're like, actually, and it, you actually bought the thing that made you think of someone, you know, and you bring your friend a coffee mug. Hey, I thought you would love this. And I saw this at Target or whatever. I saw this at strapping down the street. You guys don't know strapping. Oh my gosh, it's owned by the lesbians. It's like a gift store. And so there's all sorts of like little board games and socks and cool mugs and stuff. And it's called Strapping. It's in Oak Park, but they just opened up another one on J Street or something. It's right across from, yeah, it's right across from that coffee place. Temple. Okay, whoa, whoa, great. Okay, I'm going to send you all the link later. (laughs) It's owned by two local lesbians, yeah. So, oh, good. I uh, need a new place to spend money. <laughs> yeah, do it. Small business. I'm like, they're I need great. The strap ons. I need strap ons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just head on go. down to strap ons down the street. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, they're great. So, if you need like a little, you know, Valentine's present, birthday present, 
white elephant, head on down to Strapping, your local neighborhood Sacramento store. <laughs> so, I hope so. I'll sponsor them in a heartbeat, though. <laughs> they don't even need to sponsor me. Just give out some stickers, maybe, and we'll be good. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. Okay, so I wrote this one down, so bear with me as I read it. What is some advice you would like to give parents and mentors of young boys so that they can help those boys live their best lives and connect with their authentic selves? Jose's having a heart attack over here. Feel free to get on your soapbox on this one because I think it could go in any direction. Uh, Famous words from RuPaul's RuPaul's Drag Race is that, RuPaul Charles, is that um, we're, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. And I really mean that is that we as men, we're just performing the act of men. We are all given a script passed down from generation to generation. To fully be authentic is to full, it's to rip up that script and build our own narrative. Um, it's something that I taught. I, so I used to do a lot of men um, workshops um, where we taught, we try to de, uh, decondition men to think a certain kind of way. In, in the college setting. And that'd be the first, my first um, statement to them is that you are just acting like men. You, you don't really don't know what it is to really be men until you really um, focus on yourself first and foremost to really see what is really you. So I would, I would encourage other men that are trying to mentor men or parents that are trying to, to mentor their sons is to really just don't pass on whatever upbringing or conditionings that you were given by your older generations. Because then your sons or younger children, boys, men will be able to be more comfortable in whatever path that they choose to be. It's hard. It's hard. I get it. Um, And it's doable. So just if you have that inkling to pass on that script to them, just rip it up and just tell them, pick your journey and I will support you in that. I think um, the message that I would like to put out there for the parents uh, that are raising these men, um, love them, tell them that you love them, show Show emotion. Let them know that it is okay to express yourself, express emotions. It is okay to cry. Um, answer questions. Don't just say, if, if uh, they ask you questions, don't just say, because I said so. Give, give reasons. Um, just be, be transparent and open with, with them. And I've, I've done some reflecting myself recently as to who I am and why I feel certain ways or act certain ways. And I've been, you know, diving into that, you know, going back to my upbringing. And it's like, I, I do want to be a parent one day. And I told myself, okay, I I know how I was brought up. I will totally do the exact opposite because as an adult, I can now realize, I can see, okay, this is what I actually needed growing up. That's excellent. (laughs) Let's see. If I had to give one, 
Um, I think mine would be to any parent, if you chose to have a kid or you didn't have to choose to have a kid, it doesn't Listen, really matter. Listen, hold on. Everyone chooses to have the kid. They may not choose the pregnancy. Oh, okay. I agree. Um, but you didn't choose it because you wanted to make a literal clone of yourself. You don't have mm. to make the exact image because I think everybody's smart enough to realize that you didn't do everything perfectly yeah. up until where you are right now. So you don't have to form your child into exactly what you are. Make it create. Let them be creative and get a little bit off of your path mm. and see what else could have been done. Because it's fun to watch. Yeah. My parents have loved watching me travel. They've never traveled. Actually, my mom came with me to Australia. That's awesome. That was her first time out of the country. And my dad doesn't travel. But, cool. yeah. Um, so, I would say um, to the parents, take out of your vocabulary, that's not what a boy does, or that's not what a, yes. a girl does, yes. to start. Um, but I'm, I'm all for parents pushing their kids to do sports and, mm-hmm. and do things. But if you're going to push your son to do sports, push him to do dance, push him to do drama, like do same thing with females. If you have a girl, push her to do sports, push her to do whatever, um, pushing them to do something. I, I th- personally think is a good thing mm-hmm. because there's things that I wouldn't have done if my parents didn't push me to do. Yes. Um, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, but like I said, taking the that's what a boy does or that's what a girl does and that's not what a boy does and that's not what a girl does is what I would say you need to remove from your vocabulary. That's awesome. You you know, I want to go back and add, and I mentioned this before we jumped on uh, to this segment about my friend who has her young son Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they go to the store and she asks him, okay, you want a new shirt? He goes to pick the pink unicorn shirt uh he wants to wear the ruby slippers he wants to put his hair up in bows Mm -hmm. with barrettes Mm -hmm. he wants to help his mom with his makeup yeah like and i i'm surprised i am absolutely like i i adore her parenting skills she said Mm -hmm. i'm absolutely terrified i don't know if i'm doing the right thing or not i said you are absolutely doing Mm -hmm. the right thing definitely katrina you are doing the right thing i'm gonna make sure that she listens girl yeah um and she just said i i'm just gonna tell him you know whatever makes you happy Mm -hmm. so parents listen to your children and when their their dreams their aspirations what they like do not do not shoot them down Mm -hmm. embrace it give it to them yes but as a parent sometimes especially okay so I have some anxiety and so I think of like all the possible possibilities that could happen in a bad way. Okay. If I leave my car here, somebody's going to scratch it. Okay. I can't park it here. Like, and I can't imagine having a child because I, my, I have a dog who's blind and like, I, I, you know, I really worry about her sometimes. Like if what, just because she's not, you know, I don't, socialize her and if I do socialize her I I make sure that the other dog is completely okay it's um I can't imagine having a kid and and growing up knowing how people treat other people and seeing my son or my daughter do that I I I would let them express themselves but I, I I guess I don't know how I would like explain to them hey you're going to have a lot of trouble you know growing up because people are fucked up like Kids are fucked up, right? We're all 
And then what's your child going to be like, too? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. That's true. And all I could say to that is I hope that with each generation, we are getting more progressive and understanding and that each generation is just a little bit better. But I I agree with you. Um, I took my nephew to soccer practice last year and he wore a 10 inch bow on his head the entire practice because it was pretty. Nice. And so we're like, okay. And I was nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I'm like, I know I'm going to let him, but also like, is anybody going to be a jerk? The only person who was a jerk to him was his coach. The kids loved oh, wow. it. Two of the dads were like, Camden, we love your bow. He's four, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't need to be telling kids that the coach was the only one who had a negative thing to say about it. And so adults just maybe don't teach your kids hatred. I mean, I don't know. It uh, seems easy. I've seen NBA <laughs> players do a lot more dumb things than right. wear a bow in your hair. Yes. Or a lot more um, <laughs> things that could be yeah. Dennis Rodman had a lot of bows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he had a dress at one point. Yes, yes, yes. Or in Disney movies, we see often that, you know, the heroes are clean cut, no beard, in shape, white men. Uh-huh. And the villains are bigger, hairy chested, maybe with a beard, also white men. We're not at you guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and so we get these stereotypes stuck in their head from a young age. Anytime a mentor or a parent can do anything just to remind that kid, hey, that's not always how it is. Oh, oh you you want to be the bad guy today? Fine. Like, oh, you want to be the good guy? Great. You want to be the girl in the dress? Great. Go for it. I I, I think bottom line is that we all, I think we all are human. We all are doing our best that we can and we make decisions that we can with the information that we have at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I mean, I very much, I am not angry at my parents for kicking me out and disowning me. I recognize the amount of impact and the amount of trauma that I have from that. I know that that was the best decision that they made at the time with what the information that they had because of their own upbringing. So I think it's just very much less just allowing each of us, especially as adults to make our own decisions with the, with the information that we have at hand and just supporting that. And I think no matter the outcome, if it's good or bad, is that this is the decision that we've made. Right. So I think, I think parents or mentors or whoever is out there mentoring young men, um, or young boys is that just just as long as your intentions are in the in the best or most possible way, just have that just know that for a fact that like I'm doing this with the best of intentions. The impact you will ne- you won't know the amount of impact either positive or negative you have on that person until later in life, right? And and that's okay. And I think I think sometimes we all struggle with trying to make the right decision because we're taught that we should be making the right decision. And I very much have removed the notion of right or wrong in my vocabulary and the way that I mentor other people, because I'm like, who's to say what's right or wrong. It's, it's based on perception every, and that's reality. And what I want boys and men to do is just try to make the best decisions that they can when they're able to, to make them on their own, because at least you're confident in those decisions. You're able to sleep at night saying the decision that I made at this time is the best one that I made with the information that I have, with the resources that I have, with the knowledge that I have. 
Um, and that's that, you know what I mean? And at least for me, I've, I've lived more confidently in myself, in my skin, knowing that even if it ruffle feathers, like I said, like I still want tattoos. It might not ruffle my parents feathers the best way. And that's okay because it's my decision. It's my coins that I've earned and I'm going to make that decision because I want to. So I, so I think it's also allowing men and boys not to strive to to make decisions because they have to be their breadwinner, because they have to do these things that we're conditioned and educated or taught that we need to do. But it's just like, I'm doing the best that I can, and, and that's okay. As long as you, bottom line, in your core, feel like it's the best that you're doing, then I applaud you. Yeah. You know, you Also go in with the, especially for people with anxiety, it's a real biggie, go in with the fact that, Go in with the knowledge that you do not know all the facts. Mm-hmm. The decision you make is not going to be necessarily the best decision. That's because you'll find out things that you didn't know when you made the decision. More than likely, it's going to go wrong. Plans are, my especially traveling, any plan you make is not going to work out because something's going to throw it off. Yeah. So you make a decision, and I usually try and make mine loosely, mm-hmm. Because as soon as I make it, something's going to go wrong, and then you'll start narrowing it down. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. And I was just going to say uh, another thing that I would uh, tell parents is if if your son and, and daughter comes to you as an adult and says how you've felt made them feel, accept that and apologize. Like, don't think that that he, they're telling you you're a bad parent. They're just telling you at some point in their in that in their lives that you hurt them and it made a lasting impression. But you, you know, I think people just want an apology. Like, Oh, I realized that what I did was did I, or I didn't realize that. Right. Um, and, and, and just apologize. So. And they're probably going to you scared about what you're going to say too. So keep that in mind. And even if you don't agree with it, at the very least, acknowledge that that is something that happened. And then work to apologize to your child about that thing. You know, I had, um, without going into too much detail, I had an experience in life uh, happen at a younger age. Mm -hmm. And when I finally came to uh, my parental figures, about the situation, they just kind of said, well, you know, oh, well, you know, that was the past. It's, it's kind of over with like, what do you Mm -hmm. want me to do about it? I can't do anything or what did you want me to do about it? And it, um, it'll always stick with me because I, I can't even describe the way that I felt Mm -hmm. afterward, but Mm -hmm. that definitely touches on it. Like, you know, listen, listen to your kids and don't just uh, gloss over or sweep things under the rug, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Okay. Shall we end with one thing you really enjoy about being a male? Something you can live it up. Let's end on a positive here. I, what I love about being a man is and I hope to this day that I get the chance to be that is that I get to be a dad. I, I really much aspire to being a father and I hope that I am able to have a kid um, adopted or my own. I really don't care. Um, um, I think it's something that can truly be inspiring 
and can be very critical and pivotal to other folks. So I think, um, I think, I think that's amazing. I think that that ability to do that, I think also, um, um, I really much, I really much enjoy, especially now that I've been able to go beyond the sexualizing other boy, other guys is the ability to have them men to men relationship that I think we can only have with each other. I think is also very rewarding. And I very much is, I really much appreciate and honor all those individual relationships that I have with everyone. Um, because they're just, they're just something that we, we connect with. And I think in, at this table, we all very much recognize our upbringing and how that's done as a disservice to really connect with each other. So now recognizing that I really much look forward to seeing how our friendships being around this round table really um, blossom even more. So I want to thank you all for, for being part of this space and sharing each other's stories. Cause I very much feel connected to you all even more than before. So thank you. Um, like Jose, I do aspire to be a father one day so what I love about being a man is knowing that I have the potential of being a positive male role model for another young man. That, that means a lot to me because uh, growing up myself, I didn't really have that. And the way that uh, role models were presented to me may not have been, you know, the best way the best presentation, but, um, I do look forward to a day where I can do that. I've even considered about, um, you know, doing one of those big brother, uh, pen pal type things. Um, yeah, that's what I enjoy. So I'm not going to go with kids since both of you guys just said that. Um, I would say mine would be, I kind of like that if you followed the normative roles that being a provider, but at least not necessarily in a money sense, but in like the shoulder to come lean on or the guy to come to their couple kids out of the pool back home. Um, they would come up to me. They'd come find me when I was there. So I would get in the pool with them and literally chuck them in the air. <laughs> and so just being the, I don't know, like a strong arm foundation kind of deal. And it doesn't have to be that way, but that's what I like. Uh, mine also has to do with being a role model. Um, I don't want kids. Actually, I've never wanted kids, but I like kids. Um, I, I enjoy being um, a gay male um, and showing people like my nephews and nieces that um, you, you can be whatever you want to be. You, you know, being gay doesn't necessarily define how you have to act. Um, and I, that's what I enjoy about being, being a, a man. Um, yeah. So it's all, all basically the same really that I've heard. It's some kind of setting an example as, a, as being a, a man. So, I mean, I guess we'll go to the go to, I guess the option of sitting down or standing up to pee. I guess that also, <laughs> that also helps too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Urinals are wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yes. 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 Actually, the, the, the first thing that came to my mind as soon yeah. as you asked, asked that question, <laughs> yeah. I said, my penis. And I was like, I was like no, you can't answer. That, answer that'll do that. it. That'll <laughs> do it. I was kind of giving rather than taking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, we do both. We do both. Yeah. Well, yeah. what do you guys do? <laughs> I also thought peeing. 
<laughs> yeah. That was the first thing that came to mind. I said, no, Dan, you have to be a little bit more. There is a huge advantage to, to it. Yeah. Okay, listen, I understand Jackson, that much. Jackson, Jackson, yes. Yeah. Or how about like little things? I don't even know if you guys know it, but uh, women do get colder faster because all of our blood is around our organs to protect the little baby we have to be pregnant with. Whereas your guys's, your veins are like in your extremities and stuff. So you are able to stay warmer longer because you have to go hunt the food, I guess. And huh. I, I just go to Save Mart that. and Rayleigh's. Is that science? What? Yeah, no, it's science. <laughs> I said I don't hunt food. I just go to Save Mart or right, Rayleigh's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or um, you have actual bl- bigger bladders. So it's not just women have to pee all the time. It's our bladders are smaller. I was actually oh, wow. thinking. Oh, it also like, is women have to pee all the time. Yeah. <laughs> D- definitely also, thinking strength too. Like, strength, yeah. 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 I have said for a very long time, I wish I could just spend a couple of hours in a strong man's body to, to feel what the difference is. Even when I'm in shape, I know a strong man is still way stronger than me physically. I would think that'd I mean, be interesting. I, I actually echo that because I actually wish, not that I want to give birth, but I would want to experience, because I feel that that's probably one of the strongest things that as humans oh, yeah. we can do yeah. is give birth. So I think I also think that too. Like someone's asked me like, would you be a male, male seahorse if you had the chance to do that? I'm like, sure. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's, it, it's an experience that I think is undescribable. Mm-hmm. So I, I echo the opposite. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen live birth? No. <laughs> hmm. Oh, I, I think he's... I <laughs> yeah, think he's let's just show him without telling him anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about right, that. Right. So, yeah, that's... If we're going on the strength topic, then height, too, on average. Height, yes. Oh, I would love to be, like, yeah. in the sixes. Yeah. Or, Those um, top shelves are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or um, not being afraid to walk to your car at the end of the night mm-hmm. or not having to walk out with Wolverine keys where you put the keys <laughs> through your, you know. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I, I, as a gay man, I still have that. Yeah. I still have that fear. You do. I do. Yeah. I had this conversation. I'll keep it short with a friend of mine who's a female. And she's that's something that she talked about. The fear of of walking to the car, walking yeah. into a restroom where she's yep. not familiar with it. Yep. And that's n- I have never thought once, mm-hmm. oh, I feel unsafe. Yeah. You know what? I've, I've had that feeling before, feeling unsafe. And in my head, I'm like, okay, like look tough. Like, <laughs> yeah. Shoulders up, chest out, yeah. you know, put on a mean face, yeah. you know, just give someone the expression that like, hey, you don't want to fuck with him. Yeah. Even I though hit inside you I'm thinking, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's because I think I look like that already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But also, like, you with your chest puffed out walking down the street is going to look a whole lot different than, like, let's say, Alexandra, who's on our kickball team, who is a toothpick and about 5'5 five, five walking down the street. She can look tough, but I don't know. Because for me, I didn't have the fear until I was in Colorado for grad school where I actually had the experience of someone threatening my life at the restroom. So I think for me, it's very much... Ever since then, I've been not, I've been uncomfortable because I think I didn't think like, oh, my queerness, like I, it won't be an issue in the restroom. But someone thought that I was looking at their penis while I was peeing and they just then went on oh. the offense. So I think since then, were you PTSD? I'm joking. I mean, I'm so joking. <laughs> 
I mean, maybe yes, right? So it, it, yes, it, it was a maybe potential fact. Um, but even then, like I'm very mindful of like using a stall right. if I can. Mm-hmm. Like I can't use a I can't use just pee freely. So I think for that even for me, like it's point. been very much impacted. That would have been a good male topic is peeing freely. Because I, I know a lot of males have a problem with that. Yeah. Mm. I per se don't. Yeah. <laughs> I could pee anywhere. Like stage fright? <laughs> yeah. I still yeah. think it's weird it's that you guys shy. still have urinals. Like oh. a stall wall costs $30. Oh, you know, well, like, you know, at the Oakland Coliseum, mm-hmm. uh, they pee in a, we pee in a yes. trough. Yeah. I yeah. still remember going <laughs> into that bathroom with my dad when I was a little girl <laughs> and being like, what is going on here? Because I would go to the Oakland A's game with my yeah. dad. And that's when you knew you were a lesbian. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> Una, yeah. and then, Oh my God, let's break that to my dad certain, together. Certain gay bars. I walked in and seen those troughs. trough and a mirror. That, yeah. That's a, Different topic. Yeah. Yeah. I've walked in and seen those draws and looked at it and go, nah, no, just wait. (laughs) I'm good. Yeah. And I'm all, okay, let's do this. (laughs) It's like, when when you gotta go, you gotta go. Oh my God. That's awesome. The other one is uh, if you go, it's not such a big thing in the US, but if you go places like I was living in Barcelona, which Mm -hmm. is the pickpocketing capital of the world. Oh. And I never had a single person try and mess with me. I was mm-hmm. in, I think our group was 250 people. I was probably one of 50 that never got pickpocketed or anything. Yeah. And then I know a girl that she's probably all 5'3", blonde, mm-hmm. uh, kind of dainty. She got two girls jumped her on a train and punched her in the face. Whoa. And there is a Jurassic, they would not have done that to me. I know that. Yeah. And the main factor mm-hmm. there yep. is what you can do back. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Let's go with one takeaway from today's. Do you want to go first? No, I was like, I have <laughs> um, uh, go ahead. I think um, it is okay to express yourself, be vulnerable. I had a lot of anxiety before, you know, coming in on this. I was chatting with a couple of friends. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know what to expect. Um, but I, my heart is lifted. I feel a lot more open and I, I, I feel like this is going to open the floodgates for deeper friendships. I, I, I just have a feeling. So, uh, I, I love it. And thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you. I will come again. Yes. That's that's what he said. My, my takeaway would be that no matter um, who you are, or what you look like, it, I think as guys we, and gay, straight, um, I, I think we all go through um, insecurities uh, through our life that we, uh, we, you know, we had some kind of influence that that wasn't something that we should have done that was not considered masculine. Um, you know, whether you're super outgoing, um, which I consider... I, you know, I consider you two super outgoing and I would never think that you would have any of those kind of issues, you know, and then just meeting Mark today, um, he's a really handsome straight guy who I would think if I just saw him wouldn't have those insecurities either. And and he has those insecurities. So, um, it's good to know that there's other guys out there, um, that feel the same way. It makes me feel better. Um, kind of weird to say that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I guess misery loves company or, oh! 
<laughs> but um, no, it's it's I, I I feel good knowing that I'm not alone going through that pain. Yeah. And and yeah, thanks for having me. You kind of suck, Dan. That was gonna. That's <laughs> almost kind of mine. Um, was I said this coming in before we started recording? Um, was that I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between whether you're straight gay or really straight female or lesbian. Um, everybody has, everybody has their own problems and everybody has the exact same emotions. And a lot of people are worried about the exact same thing about how they're going to be interpreted. And after talking to you guys today, none of it sounds any different than at least somebody that I've talked to. Actually, a lot of people that I've talked to, you may have different scenarios. Everybody's got a different background and there are different ways to blend that together. But it's, I mean, everybody's the same. And if you can realize that, then um, there's really not that much to be scared of yeah. or to be worried about opening up to people too. Yeah. Yes, people are going to back out on you or just not respond in the way you thought to, but that's on them. They've got their own thing too. Then the cream rises to the top too in those situations where maybe the people who back out aren't meant to be in your life, but you're going to find stronger, better connections as a result of that. Learn who your friends are. So true. Um, I think my takeaway or my encouragement or my challenge for those that are listening to this podcast today and you're all inspired or admire our ability to be vulnerable and courageous and share our narratives is that you are willing and able to build those spaces with your group of friends and it starts with you. So I hope that if you're wanting these kinds of connections or building those relationships within and these narratives or in these stories or in these challenges and struggles is that it starts with you opening up and starting and building that pathway for those. Because like I said, like with Mark, um, you know, our relationship grew closer by, by our ability to share our struggles with each other. And it's not to say that you always have to share like, Oh my God, I'm struggling with this or that is that, um, it's just know that you're not alone. So b- cultivating those kinds of relationships with the people that you already have as friends can go a long way. And if and when, again, if those people don't respond in the way that you're needing to, then find men or boys. Like, or I will say men because boys are, don't know how to deal with feelings. Um, I, I find men that, um, that are open to do it. And if not, if you can't find them, then reach out to us, like reach out to Dan, reach out to Jock Ray, reach out to me, reach out to Mark, reach out to Brian, reach out to Katie. Like, I think we, we are here, um, as, um, as a light to show that it's possible to share and, and, um, and build and cultivate those experiences. Um, but just don't give up. Like if you do face, if you do come across someone that's not, um, willing or open or as courageous as you are, um, don't shut down, but just find somewhere. So find another pathway to to cultivate that. It's not an if you will come across those people. <laughs> That's true. Thank you to all of you gentlemen. I would absolutely have you back in a heartbeat. This was really eye-opening to me, and I really am grateful for the opportunity to listen to the men on this because... I, I know about lesbians, but I, uh, I I always enjoy learning about the men and the gay men, and, and you're my people man. too, and the straight man, and you're my people too, and it's I okay. and <laughs> and I hope to be able to take this knowledge and build better friendships with the males in my life, and I appreciate every one of you for it. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for, thank you for listening, everyone.
We've laughed. We've cried. We've given our advice. We've given advice. Now go forth and live with pride. Yeah, live with pride. Out to adults. <laughs>